These are the daily lectionary comments for January the 29th. We're going to go to Zechariah chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, uh, where the Lord continues his response to the delegation from Bethel who wanted to know whether they needed to keep fasting uh, over the destruction of Jerusalem 70 years before. And then we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're starting a new letter. This is probably Paul's last letter that we have. It was probably written not long before he was executed. Zechariah chapter 8. Remember yesterday's reading, there was a delegation that came from, from the city of Bethel to Jerusalem. And what had happened is that during the exile, a number of fasts had begun to be observed by the Jews, uh, fasts in observance of the destruction of Jerusalem and of the destruction of, of uh, the temple itself. And uh, I believe that there were four regular fasts that the people were observing in different months of the year. And th now the temple is about two years from being done. So it's mostly complete and things are really getting much, much better. And the question was, do we continue the fasts or not? And so in yesterday's devotion, the, the response didn't get to the answer to that. Instead, it talked about what had happened in former times. Um, the former prophets had, had preached and warned all you guys, or, or at least your forefathers, and they ignored it, and therefore uh, uh, the Lord caused them to be scattered. Um, and now uh, we, we continue that response, and this time it's much more positive. Now um, the, the, um, <clears throat> the focus of the, uh, the, the prophecy is that God is restoring Jerusalem. Things are going to be much, much better. He talks about old people that'll be out on the streets. They'll have canes because they're old enough to need one. And there'll be little children and they'll be playing on the streets. And there'll be wine and the rain will fall from heaven and there'll be food and there'll be celebrations. And in other words, life will return to the city and God will <clears throat> dwell there. Uh, once again, according to the promise of God, in verse eight, it says, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. God is restoring what was taken in the in the uh, in the exile and and in uh, destruction of Jerusalem. So this is a very happy um, uh, prophecy here. And he says, look, <clears throat> just as in the former days, uh, I warned the people uh, that that I would exile them among the nations. And, and when they did not listen to me, I did not relent and I exiled them among the nations. So now I am promising that I am going to restore this city and, and you can take that to the bank. So um, uh, now then he says uh, in verse um, <clears throat> uh, 16 and 17, he says, now, and this is what you're going to do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments, gates. It's essentially the, the place of formal transactions in the cities like our courthouses might be. In your gates, judgments that are true, that make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oaths for all these things I hate, declares the Lord. Okay, so he's reminding them again. This is what the prophets commanded you before. And you, you turned a deaf ear and you got scattered. Now I'm restoring all things. And now I'm once again going to call you to holy living. Essentially love your neighbor as yourself. This is what I want you to do. Okay, so um, very different uh, 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 sort of uh, timbre to this, uh, uh, to this prophecy. It's very upbeat. In verse 19, finally, we get an answer 
uh, to the question, shall we go on fasting? And in verse 19, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast for the fourth month and the fast for the fifth month and the fast for the seventh month and the fast for the 10th month shall uh, be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So in other words, no more fasting. Okay, We're going to put this behind us and we are going to rejoice and turn our fasts into feasts. We're going to turn our weeping into joy. This is a new day and a new age. So it's a, a wonderful, wonderful answer. And in verse 22 and 23, the attention turns to an even greater glory. This is something we keep running into. We ran into it a lot with Jeremiah, especially with Ezekiel, especially with Isaiah. And here we get it again. And that's regarding the relationship to the nations. You know, Paul talked a lot about this in Romans, and you can see why. Verse 22 says, Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. So he's talking about other nations, not Israel, also are going to come and seek the glory of the Lord in his temple. Remember earlier, uh, the prophecy was they would attach themselves to the Lord and they would be given an allotment in in, in the land of Jerusalem and, and they will give, be given an inheritance along with my people. This is a wonderful little image in 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts in those days, 10 men from the nations. Okay, that's, the, that's the, what the Jews would say, the goyim, um, the, uh, the Gentiles. 10 uh, men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And indeed, that's exactly what happens. Gentiles come to our Lord Jesus Christ and they are they are literally taking or not literally but in a certain way they are taking uh, the hold of the of the robe of a Jew saying bring me to the Lord it is true salvation is of the Jews that's what uh, Jesus said in in uh, John chapter 4 but uh, while it comes from the Jews it is not only for the Jews it just so happens that the God of Jesus and the God of the nations is the God who chose Israel and so when we go to the house of the Lord and when we go to the Hebrew scriptures, we are learning about the very same God who saves us now. Anyway, it's a wonderful close to, uh, to today's reading, uh, a, a very upbeat reading uh, about uh, the joys and the good things that God has in store for his people now that we're on the far side of the exile. Second Timothy chapter one, I mentioned before that this is the third of three so-called pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And they're called pastoral epistles because unlike all the other epistles, all the other epistles, whether Paul wrote them or somebody else, they were written to congregations, or some, in some cases, uh, several congregations. But they were written to congregations to be read in congregations. Um, but the pastoral epistles were written to an individual. Two of them were written to Timothy, this one is one of those. So Timothy was acting as a pastor here in uh, most likely in Ephesus. So Paul has now gone from Ephesus and Timothy is there ministering. And Paul is writing to them, giving him pastoral advice. So Paul is giving Timothy pastoral advice, but he's also giving Timothy advice for how to be a pastor. This letter has a number of deeply personal things in it. Uh, it is probably the last letter, existing letter from Paul's hand. It may be the last letter that he ever wrote. Um, 
earlier we talked about, you know, Paul wrote um, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians while he was in jail. He ended up, uh, uh, you know, going to Rome, incarcerated and was in, in jail, sort of in jail, under house arrest, really, in Rome. And that's where the book of Acts ends. Paul fairly freely um, ministering to people who come to his home. That was a pretty cushy gig. And Paul was confident at that time. Remember, in Philippians, he said, uh, you know, whether whether I, I shall live or die, I, I don't know if I, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He wrestles with whether this is going to be the end of him, and he finally decides. He doesn't think so. For the sake of the Philippians, he thinks that, that this, this imprisonment, he'll be released from that. And he was right, and he was released. And after he went to Rome uh, in, in, in the end of Acts, he was later released and, and may have gone to Spain like he planned to do in, in Rome. Uh, other places that he may have gone, but he was subsequently arrested again. We do not have the record of that. So that's beyond the time of Acts, and he doesn't say anything about it. But what I will say this is that he is in Rome, and he is imprisoned, and this is not a cushy imprisonment. Now, there is a, a famous uh, dungeon, the Mamertine Dungeon in, in Rome. Uh, it was a horrible place. Uh, it's what you think of when you think of a dungeon. That's where Paul is this time. And the 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 milieu of this letter is not like, let's say, Philippians. He does not talk like he's going to get out. And when we get to the fourth chapter, it's going to be very clear. He does not think he is going to get out of this prison alive. Um, and so when you read this, uh, there's a certain aspect. And when you, you think about, you know, He's in very dire circumstances, and he knows probably his days on earth are limited. Okay, well, <clears throat> he, um, uh, he talks about uh, Timothy's faith. This is a wonderful little thing where he talks about uh, how he's reminded of Timothy's faith. The faith that first dwelt with your grandmother, he says in verse 5, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Well, see, it, all, things are always the same. The faith passes down through families. Uh, and and so, um, uh, uh, you know, we see that Timothy came to the faith because his mother brought him to the faith and his grandmother brought him to the faith. And so Paul is reminding himself of that. He also reminds uh, Timothy, not to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. And the reason why we say that is because Paul's in a dungeon and, and is likely to be executed. And that's not a good look. But uh, Paul is basically saying, look, you know, I am in chains for the Lord. And 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 therefore, maybe it it's, looks like I'm a criminal. I'm not. It looks like Christ is a criminal. He's not. Don't be ashamed, even though this may happen to you one day. But be bold and confident and proclaim uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, verse 10 talks about uh, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Words that must have been very powerful to Paul as he considers what is going to happen to him. Uh, and explains why he is suffering as he does. Don't be ashamed. I am suffering because of Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. And I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Now, I want you to consider here um, three statements that Paul makes regarding doctrine, regarding teaching. Teaching and doctrine have always been very, very important in the Christian church. Um, 
Judaism uh, doctrine is much less important. Islam doctrine is, is much less important. What's much more important is practice, that you do the right things, that you have a kosher kitchen, that you pray five times a day and go on your pilgrimages and so forth like that. But Jews and, and Muslims don't argue over doctrine in nearly the kind of detail. Uh, I mean, their, their doctrinal uh, systems are not nearly as intricate or profound or developed as in the Christian church. In the very beginning, uh, doctrine has been very, very important. And he talks about uh, uh, in this uh, verse 12, he said, God will guard, he is able to guard um, until that day, that is the last day, what has been entrusted to me. What has been entrusted to me is the teaching, the teaching about Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did and how we follow him. He follows that up with a second comment. To, to Timothy, he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The pattern of sound words. So what has been entrusted to Paul has been put in a pattern of sound words. So you see that in the church, we use things like creeds or things like the Lord's Prayer or standard uh, uh, ways of talking about Jesus of talking about our life with him that are consistent from congregation to congregation and from age to age so that we're all speaking a similar language a pattern of sound words so that we all understand who jesus is and what he did and not everybody gets to make up their own jesus so paul has been entrusted with uh with this truth and god is going to safeguard it uh, Timothy is to follow the pattern of sound words, and then verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So there's the, the uh, something entrusted again, and at this time it's a good deposit. What Paul received got, and was entrusted to him, God will guard it until the last day. Timothy is to follow the pattern of sound words and guard the very same deposit that has been given to him. And uh, because that deposit is the deposit of right doctrine and sound words. And really, if you want to know, 95% uh, uh, of what, what you learn uh, when you go to seminary is the, the good deposit and the pattern of sound words so that we know and, re, and for sure that what we are teaching and preaching from the pulpit is what has been handed down to us and what we are handing down to the next generation is what we ourselves received. It's vitally important in the church and Paul is making a point of it here. So remember uh, yesterday's reading at the end of Romans, he talks about uh, avoiding those who cause divisions and don't follow the pattern uh, and don't follow the sound words and doctrine. And here in this letter, uh, he, he makes a deal of it again. Okay, so that's enough for today uh, for Second Timothy chapter 1, and we will continue with this last and poignant letter of Paul tomorrow.